Haggai 2, uh, starting at the uh, first verse. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Zechariah, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to be like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. I will once more shape the heavens and the earth the sea and the dry land. I will shape all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Many thanks, Peter. Um, let's pray together. Our gracious Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we pray that in these times, um, your word would give us um, all that we need. Um, would it lead us to you? And please, would it bring peace and comfort and hope and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just going to get my sermon up, if I can find it. Here we are. Sorted. Not quite used to preaching on a screen just yet. Um, okay. Well, who could have possibly known just how much we'd have to give up for Lent this year? Um, in all seriousness, this is a difficult and disruptive time for all of us. Um, it was only last Sunday when most of us were able to gather together in person. Now many of us are already in isolation from family, from friends and from church as we know it. Please be assured that we as a church are doing our best to facilitate our fellowship and our service of one another and our collective worship at such a time as this. In God's providence, our sermon series in the book of Haggai is a strangely apt place for us to dwell, just as Peter uh, mentioned a moment ago. Because just as the Israelites um, in Haggai's day were greatly distracted by their own affairs instead of seeking communion with the Lord through the means he instructed, the, the building of the temple. And just as they were greatly discouraged by the things they weren't um, 
able to do anymore, the things, that things weren't what they used to be. We too now find ourselves overwhelmed with our own troubles, uncertainties and fears. Yet the message of Haggai is what we need um, if we're not to be fearful or discouraged. For as we reflect on this morning, the Lord Almighty himself offers us his beloved people, his presence and his power, even today. Not only this, he also assures us with his promises of perfect peace in the age to come. The divine oracle, the message of the Lord um, delivered through Haggai that begins in chapter 2, verse 1, comes about a month after the beginning of their work on the temple. The people had been stirred up to get back to it on the building, um, the place God promised his presence to them. And they'd had a few weeks to work on things, long enough maybe for them to realize the magnitude of the project and their own inadequacy. Just what are we doing, perhaps they thought. We're trying to build a temple for God, but it looks more like a garden shed. That's even confirmed by the word of the Lord announced to them in, in verse 3. Who of you has left who saw this house in its former glory? There are still some around who had left with the exile and were able to return. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? In other words, those of you who saw the way the temple used to be 66 years ago before it was destroyed, how does it compare? It's not much, is it? The temple was nothing like before. It's really unimpressive, as if it's not even a temple. So it's an unsettling start to the Lord's message. Likewise, it would be strange if you weren't feeling somewhat discouraged at the moment, or at least sad about how things are and, and what we've lost. I know I am. I'm already reminiscing about the good old days, which is pretty much only a couple of weeks ago. But this situation has... Um, led us to asking some questions about uh, God's plan and his power over the present uh, COVID-19 crisis. And so if you're feeling at all discouraged or confused, um, there are at least two encouragements from this scripture to keep us going in our Christian lives, whatever that looks like now. Um, and here's the first. Be strong in the Lord because he is with us. Be strong in the Lord because he is with us. Verse four, but now be strong Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong all of you of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Zerubbabel, the royal figure in David's line, Joshua, the priestly figure in Aaron and Zadok's line, and the remnant, the, the small group of people, all of them are addressed. And they're commanded to be strong, to be strong in the task that God has given them, to persevere and to work, to, despite appearances, keep going. But the thing is, they probably didn't feel very strong. Quite the opposite, in fact. As the Lord himself reminded them, the temple looks like nothing. So should they just lay aside all of that and press on emotionless through the pain with a sort of British stiff upper lip mentality? 
Is that how we ourselves should get through our present troubles? Well, no. Because to be strong in the Lord is not to adopt a posture of self-sufficiency or self-confidence. Rather, it is to know our own helplessness and to realize that our help comes from outside of us. It is to be conscious of the Lord's presence and power, which comes to us by grace. And that, in turn, moves us to seek him. It shapes the way we see things and motivates us to live for him, even when everything around us seems like rubble. In other words, be strong and work for I am with you, declares the Lord. That was his promise to the people in Haggai's day, and it's his promise to us in Christ. Wherever you are at the moment, whatever you're facing, however despondent or discouraged you feel, the Lord wants you to know that he is with you. The Lord Almighty, the creator who is immense and great and powerful, who is perfect in wisdom and goodness and holiness and love, is with you, Christian believer. He is with us, the church. And verse 5 provides even more reason to believe and hold on to that. It says this, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Not only is the Lord able to make his presence known to his people, he's committed to doing so. You see, by Haggai's day, a long time, centuries, in fact, had passed since the great covenant, uh, covenanting when they came out of Egypt, when the Lord rescued them out of uh, that land. And he promised the people that they'd be his special possession and a holy nation, that God would fight for them uh, on their behalf against their enemies, and that he'd treat the people with grace and mercy, forgiving their sins, and that he'd remain with them as long as they responded in faith and obedience. But since then, the people had been guilty of every sin, idolatry, disloyalty, distrust, unfaithfulness, neglect, and betrayal of God. And as a result of disregarding the Lord and disregarding his grace, they received what they deserved, judgment and discipline from God. And with the temple now in bits all around them, they must have looked and felt pretty helpless and hopeless. But God remained faithful. God remained faithful to them. He remained committed to them. He brought them back from exile. And even his discipline and his judgment is a sign of his commitment to them. Remember from chapter one last week, how the Lord took away things to stir them up and make them conscious of their neglect and to encourage them back to the temple project. That wasn't because the Lord couldn't be with them until they built the temple. The Lord didn't need them or, or their help. It was because he wanted them to experience his presence and his goodness. The temple building was the Lord's means of offering himself to them. It was a gift, one which they had to trust uh, him to receive. And, you know, we too have received that gift. Not through the temple. That was only a shadow of the reality to come. The reality 
of Christ. Jesus Christ is the full manifestation of all that the temple signified. He is God with us. But you know, that's not all. He's also the fulfillment of the temple system, as he, in his humanity, made atonement for our sins on the cross, and in his keeping of the law perfectly on behalf of the people. This was so that if we're in Christ, we can receive his life and his righteousness. Through Christ, the Lord has made an unbreakable and lasting covenant with us. So be assured, his spirit remains among you. Still, if I'm honest, I feel very weak at the moment. I feel confused and thrown by all that's happening around us. And I'm probably not at, uh, as at risk of the virus as other people. There will be many who feel even more scared and confused than I do. But by his spirit, the courage and strength that you and I lack is present and supplied to us in various ways uh, by the Lord. And I pray and hope that we've all experienced something of that even this week through the ministry of Christ to us and his body, the church. So don't lose heart. Don't fear. We can be strong, not because we are in ourselves, but because the Lord Almighty offers us help from a limitless and never-ending source himself. Be strong in the Lord because he is with us. Second, Place your hope and security in the Lord, because our futures are in his hands. Reading from verse six again. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Many of you have probably been tuning into the daily briefings with the Prime Minister alongside uh, Professor Chris Whitty, the government's chief medical advisor and chief scientific officer, Sir Patrick Valance. So far, in my opinion, they've been really valuable providing clear instruction and a way forward. But as we've seen, there are just so many unknowns. And as a result, the advice changes from day to day. They can't speak with absolute certainty and authority because they don't have control of the virus now, let alone uh, in the future. And it's in times like this that we realize that everything we have and hold on to is changeable and uncertain. We can't rely on our wealth, our jobs, our government, our health, our families, our routines, or anything else with any real confidence. Even the things we most take for granted at the moment um, or in the past, that there'll be uh, food in the supermarket, that we can just pop out to see a friend, that we can go to church on a Sunday morning. It, in case there's any doubt, that is something to mourn, by the way. Our communion with God and with one another is impaired in some way like this. Despite the wonders of technology and our chance to gather together like this, it is okay to be upset by the way things are, that they're not the way they should be. Let's rejoice in what we've got, but, but it is something that we've lost. 
um, with lots of what we know has been taken away. So there's no uncertainty, sorry, there's no certainty in anything that is except in the Lord Almighty and his works. For the Israelites, the promises of God probably seemed very, very far off. The temple was a shed and it would never be the same as before. But despite appearances, the Lord assures them that there is a greater glory beyond the physical building. In a little while, by his unlimited power over all the earth, over all nations, the Lord would forcibly bring the glory of the nations into his house. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that creation reacts to its creator when he acts. He has sovereignty over the affairs and resources of the world and of history. So the coronavirus is not beyond him. He forever remains in charge of all. So in this promise to Haggai, when it comes to the Lord enacting this cosmic and global work of restoring his house, his people, nothing will stand in his way. Wonderfully, we've been recipients of that. We've experienced something of that because we too are recipients of the promise as the Lord has shaken and drawn us, people from different nations, to worship him in Christ. And he's given us every spiritual blessing in him. But the image of the shaking heavens and the earth is also a pointer to something else still yet to come, which we'll focus on a bit more next week because there's, uh, there's more to come in chapter two. It anticipates the time when a new heaven and a new earth will be established. So though this is a difficult and painful time, be encouraged because it will inevitably, inevitably provide opportunities for us to grow in our dependence and our trust of the, of the Lord and also to help us anticipate the wondrous goal of our faith, life with God forever. And there can't be a, a better place to finish than with these words from the book of Revelation, which picks up on some of the language we've seen in this word of the Lord from Haggai. So I'm going to read this um, from Revelation chapter 1, verse 22. I, that's um, John, who's had this revelation revealed to him. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter in, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. 
No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Back over to Dan now, who's going to lead us through the rest of the service.